Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God. We want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Post-Sunday Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra. I'm along with my finest man, <laughs> our co-host, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. What's up, my man? We set a precedent last week. Therefore, set some records. We don't know what today's going to look like. <laughs> we, we gave the people too much. The people requested, and we came through. We did, on so, my week. On your week. And so, yeah. Now, I mean, you now I'm hold, taking the bullets. You now hold the timestamp for everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> when people go, when's Johnny speaking again? Well, we're either we're we're, we're assessing that right. We'll be now. there or not. <laughs> <laughs> but they they they, they liked funny. it. They they yeah. liked the length, the time, yeah, and they liked the podcast. So everyone, uh, hey man, you give the people what they want. Ooh. Some. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where we're going to gear things towards, <laughs> huh? <laughs> but anyways, man, I hope you guys are having a great, great start to the week. Uh, this is Pastor Johnny Sierra, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. Uh, we are at Genesis Church Orlando. And what is the post-Sunday podcast, you guys may be asking? It is a podcast dedicated to diving deeper into the Word of God. If you guys have been with us for the last 12 weeks, yeah, we are in this never-ending story, uh, year-long series, basically going from front to front end to the back end of the Bible and covering uh, a lot of the stories that we've heard throughout our childhood and throughout our lives, but really unpacking it in a, such a different way, really seeing it for what it is. Um, but we air weekly, and what this is is just a continuation of those studies, uh, on Sunday, we are able to bring in the word, but on Monday here, post Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whenever we launch it, whatever, uh, we try to provide a little bit more practical application questions, things that can really you can take home with you and uh, just chew on a little bit more because um, we are limited with time at that uh, throughout those Sundays. Some of us, at least. <laughs> only, only a few of us, unless your name's Johnny Fuego. You can find us on all podcast platforms uh, as well as Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. We got some really cool content there at Post Sunday Podcast. A lot of cool reels, a lot of things that we're going to be doing here soon. We'll be having uh, some really cool stuff happening. I think you, you did a little sneak on that uh, for the people last week. Yes. You couldn't contain yourself, man. It was, it yeah, was been that, a few weeks since you talked there. I haven't been able to talk for a few <laughs> weeks. So there's a lot inside that has to get out at some point. <laughs> so we'll figure that part out. Yes. And, and guys, uh, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, but you guys can join us on Sundays, nine, nine o'clock. No, nine thirty. Sorry, sorry. We Hold on. Are nine thirty. I, my notes, I got to fix that. Weeks in. <laughs> You wait. We're not just thirteen weeks in. You're you're like you're like two two plus years old. Three three years, three years coming in. up here. I know. I know. My bad, bro. What I, the world is nine thirty and eleven o'clock. You can check us out on uh, live if you guys want to be a part of it. GenesisChurchOrlando.com. Uh, what are you gonna there? do when you have to say eight fifteen? Oh my gosh! For the it's third be, service. Yes. This actually, yeah, yeah. We're launching that this week. Um, that won't be aired live, so I still can <laughs> just stay focused. Did you know we have an 815 in the <laughs> yeah. service? Or did Chad just take everybody <laughs> he, he kind of throw did. a curveball? Yeah, okay. this yeah. week. Your people know. Yes. All yeah. right. Just Most of sure them do. The band knows the deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, and YouTube.com and Facebook.com backslash Genesis Church Orlando.com. Lot, lot, lots tossing out there at you. So um, just rewind all this if you need to, to get to all that information in there. But anyways, uh, we are on episode 13. This is week 13 of our never ending story series. Uh, Pastor man, you came in, came in on fire, came in hot. Um, and I don't know, there's something about you. Um, there's something about this story. I feel like really excite, excites you. 
Like there's yeah. um there's something about it that's just itching. You know, you're you just want to get you want to get it out. I mean, it's out. uh. Everybody knows the story of Moses. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be in church to know who Moses is, whether you believe in the Bible or not. So you're, you know, it's been in Hollywood, you know, all that sort of thing. And so um, TV shows, you know, portray the character. But Moses is the central figure possibly in all of the Old Testament. You know, some might argue King David, uh, you know, we learned about Abraham and obviously he's the forefather of the faith, but it's the story of Moses that is continually spoken about, remembered, referenced all throughout the old Testament into the new Testament. Everything goes back. I mean, Moses is the author of these first five books. So we know that God calls him up on Mount Sinai and says, write these things down. Some people think he only went there and wrote the 10 commandments. Like, no, he spent a lot of time up there. He spent so much time up there. They started making a golden calf at the foot of the mountain because they thought he disappeared and was never coming back. So he's up there a long time. And because God is telling him to write down all these things that we're, we're, we're reading and we're discovering. So they've been given by God to him. So Moses becomes this central figure and there's so much in his story in life there's so much in the story of exodus from egypt there's so much story and being led into the promised land all these pieces but there's so many correlations and shadows to jesus and we'll get into that in the weeks to come we'll get into that come palm sunday especially easter because you know it's like we're going to teach moses at easter but also the resurrection right and so so some people don't realize just the beautiful symmetry that really the Bible shows. And that's what makes Moses such a prominent character. So it's fun. It's fun to really teach. And it's been fun because I've been learning some nuances about Mm -hmm. the story that I never knew. Third generation pastor, you hear about this guy all the time. You've been taught him your whole life and I'm learning stuff. So I hope the people listening, I hope the people attending church, same thing. Like there's just, there's so much to unpack inside of it. Yeah. Opening up yourself to that. Uh, yeah, Moses is a character that a lot of us have kind of have this, have portrayed in a certain way. And I, I love where the series is going in regards to like these central figures, because we get to really not only see uh, what approaches they took and actions, but we get to see kind of the, the, the why behind the what a little bit. What, what was, you know, how did their past affect what they're currently doing? At least we, that, that's how we at least took it with Jacob. Joseph, uh, Isaac, a lot of a lot of the central figures that we really approached early on is what, what you know, what generational things were happening, what would have caused them to be certain ways. And so with the story of Moses, man, I mean, it. Uh, I think you I, I loved where you hit, man, because I don't think people uh, understand that now now Joseph and the family they're there in Egypt now. And a lot of people don't realize that it was now under a different Pharaoh Yeah, that uh, forgot what the, the Pharaoh of the past was his loyalty to this, to this family, these descendants. And um, because I believe and correct me if I'm wrong. And in that culture, a Pharaoh was Pharaoh across the board, right? Like, yeah, the, was, title, was the title. It was kind of like you just uh, president. The title, yeah. just like president, and so it's being passed down yeah. through generations. Um, I heard a, a guy um, as I was studying this say that if there were, if you could create the ten most important verses in the first five books in the Bible, that that would be one of them. And I was like, what? And That's he crazy. was like, there, there arose a new king who did not know Joseph, mm. that they, they would say that that's one of the 10 most important verses in the first five books of the Bible, but it's exactly for what you just said. We've just learned about Joseph and all that God did in his life and how he he rose him to this, this platform to be you know in control, really, of Egypt. Yes, Pharaoh's in control, but he hands over control. This famine's coming. Yeah. You're going to be the one to disperse the food and take care of the land and the people. So he gives control to Joseph, a Hebrew, an Israelite. And as vice president, he not only makes sure Egypt is taken care of, 
his family comes, in essence, the Israelites come yeah. into this land. So he's taking care of multiple groups of people. You would think that this guy's story is proclaimed throughout generations. And yet here we are generations later, and he has no idea who Joseph is. So that was where, you know, when I was listening to that. That's there, crazy, which is Exodus 1.8, if yeah. you just want to go back to that. You, you, you think about, like, in our own lives, you know, how easy it is to stop telling the story of our families, you know. And a lot of people will because, in essence, uh, there is a lot of wrong done or, or something that they don't want to remember. Um, however, sometimes it's okay to tell that piece because knowing where you came from to where you are matters, right? So if you were that chain breaker in your home or, or you decided, hey, I don't want to do this like my father or, hey, my father or mother did things differently because of my grandparents did this. Some people have that story. Other people have a good story and yet they just they forget to tell it because it's just not in our culture any longer to continue those things. Or you look around, especially since COVID hit and it's not, not to take this political, but look at our country. It's tear down the monuments. It's rewrite the history books or just don't teach portions of them any longer, good or bad, whatever the monument stood for, whatever they were ways in which we were able to look back and then discuss those things, whether they were good or bad that happened. And when you just erase it, what you will get a few generations from now are people that have no idea what it's like to show respect to a veteran who served in the war. You know, mm. I, was, I was in a conversation with my wife a few days ago and I told her, I said, you know what's wrong with the current younger generation is that we haven't been to war. And she's like, that's a terrible thing to say. I said, I don't want to go to war. No one wants to go to war. I'm not saying we should go to war. I said, but they're the first generation to not go through one. Therefore, there's no um, respect and there's no, um, there's no honor to those that went and sacrificed on their behalf. So you can see how quickly, you know, people can forget yeah. what they have. And so you lose gratitude, you lose respect, you lose honor, all these things. Because if it's not talked about, if it's not shown, if it's not, not brought in, and this is what's happening in Egypt, right? And this is how we enter into the story. Joseph's the end of Genesis, you know, the first book, and we get into Exodus, and now this Pharaoh rises up and does not even know who Joseph is. Mm, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's really good stuff to kind of observe and, and, and be aware of. Um, we can forget that. We can forget that. And so uh, we kind of continue on there. Exodus 1, 9, and 10 says, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. Yeah. And so now, like, they're multiplying. God, you know, as as he promised Abraham, you know, descendants beyond descendants, like, it's it's taking place, and they're taking notice now, and almost now to the point of threat. And yeah, so, you've, you, so you've got the two two parts of that promise you're you look out at the stars and you know mm. or like the sand and try to count it and so will be the the number of your descendants wow. you got to think if you're Abraham at this point who can't even have a baby it's crazy and now God's delivered that miracle and generations later they're multiplying at such a rapid rate that that this pharaoh's in fear of them wow. you know and, and he's taking notice, like you said. Also, God had said, hey, your descendants will enter into a land they do not know mm. and own, and, and they'll be oppressed, you know, for, for X amount of years. So all these things that God speaks are coming true in this story. And that's a beautiful reminder, too, that what God has spoken and speaks always comes true. And there's a difference, I think, like people are like, well, I, I, want, I want this promise of God for me. God has promises in his story for us. But sometimes what we're really meaning is I want God to make a promise to do what I'm really asking him to do mm. instead of what's the promise God made and what's that mean for me versus yeah. how do I twist that promise to, the, to, to meet the need that I'm really asking God for. Yeah. And so this is all playing out in the story. And now you have Pharaoh really making assumptions. 
there's no war. There's no there's no no actual threat. There, there's there, no. no threat at all. Uh-huh. He is now sitting, and it's that thing of like power corrupts you, mm. right? You can't you can't find people that have been given power, and the more power they're given, the more they struggle with you know control and all these things. So he's looking around, and he's assuming if they wanted to turn on us, they could. If they wanted to go to war against us, they could. If they wanted to fight against us and flee, they could. So it's all assumptions. It's all insecurities. Everybody deals with insecurities. Yeah. Everybody does. No one listening right now, you and I don't, you know, uh, we, 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 we all deal with it. We, we can't say that we, we, we don't have them. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at that, you go, it's not the fact that you have insecurities, it's the fact that you act upon them because you sit around and you assume things so much, you begin to now take what you think and you begin to put it into action. And he's done that. So we see it spread. It's not just him. It then becomes all the Egyptians, you know, have this thought about Israel and and it's spreading. So he's not just keeping it to himself. He's now speaking it, acting upon it. And I think that there's some application there in the sense of, I hear people all the time, you know, well, this is going on. And I just, I started to maybe think this, or I started to maybe assume this and without confronting that person or having a conversation with that person, you can create a whole scenario in your head that doesn't even exist. Pharaoh's has done that. And that's where the story really starts to flush itself out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and, and, and then it goes on to say that uh, now he's now he's like, with that threat, I'm, opp- I'm going to oppress you guys. So what he ends up doing is um, basically now, uh, and I love this. This is one of the verses here uh, in Exodus 1, 11. Uh, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. Is that awesome or what? <laughs> yeah, so we laughed about that yesterday, and, you know, and I, and I would say it's still kind of funny because yeah. um, in, in paying attention to that, you're thinking like, he's like, listen, if I wear the men out all day long with hard labor, they'll just go home. And I guess his thought, uh, you're, you're kind of reading in between this. I don't want to put anything in scripture. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they'll just go home so worn out, they'll go to bed. Yeah. But obviously that's not happening. Oh. So I was reading uh, like a, uh, it is a kind of a myth, a, a, a you know, a legend about this, and it was when um, the they were making the golden calf that some of the women threw in uh, golden mirrors, and that's because they held them to to make themselves beautiful back during this time to mm. enable them to multiply. So the women were doing what they needed to do to make themselves presentable to the Israelite <laughs> men, because obviously that's happening. Yeah. Pharaoh's wanting one outcome and the total opposite is taking place. Yeah, yeah. And so we can, we can speculate and we can kind of laugh. And it, I think it is, it's kind of a laughable moment. Like, yeah, they, they won't, they won't want to go home to their wives. And yet their <laughs> wives are like, they're coming home. Well, you we gotta multiply. imagine like, you know, you, you, you become ingrained in a culture, right? An Egyptian culture. I would assume that they're taking on some, some, some things from that culture, you yes. know, like just like any other way. Like when I came from, Milwaukee here to Orlando, like there's some adjustments to be made. And now if I go back to Milwaukee, I'm doing Orlando things. And, you know, it's just so I I can imagine I can see that taking place where they they kind of adapt some of these rituals or routines or um, habits or things, you know. And we see this in the story later. I mean, ultimately, once they end up in the wilderness and we'll get there, it's not just taking the people out of Egypt, it's God taking Egypt out of the people Yeah, because yeah. of some of that stuff. You can't be in a land for that long and not mm. practice some of the things happening. So all this is taking place, but yeah, you got to think of your Pharaoh. Like I thought I had a plan. <laughs> I put, I, I pressed them, gave them heavy work, yep. but they still multiply, you yeah. know? So, so he, he goes on to yep. take, do a few more steps. He takes it upon himself to now, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the midwives and now I'm going to go towards this route and I'm going to have them right immediately basically take these babies out. Yeah, this, this, this part's fascinating to me. This part is fascinating to me, and this is some of the nuances that I've recently just learned that, that to me really in this moment paint a, a really amazing picture to me, right? So it tells us that he, he tells the midwives, you know, that when they're the, the Hebrew women on the birth stool, 
you know, to, if it's a son, kill it. If it's a female, let it live. And um, it tells us that the, the Hebrew midwives feared God and they did not do what Pharaoh commanded. Mm. And so there, there's obviously that whole thought around the fact that they fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. The, the fascinating fact is that um, this is the first time in Scripture that we find civil disobedience. Mm. The first time that a group of people had to have decided and declared, we will not do what the ruler of this land is commanding us to do. And, and so why do they not do this? They do this obviously because they fear God. And, and so it's also captivating to me that it's women who do this. So you could ask yourself, where are the men, right? Where are the strong men that would stand up and say, not my family, not my child, that's not happening in my home type of a deal, right? But it's the Hebrew midwife women who stand up wow. and go, no, we fear God more than we fear Pharaoh, and we will not go through with this. Now, some would say they come up with a kind of a, a, a lie, right? And, you know, someone hears that and they're like, well, isn't that wrong? Isn't that? <laughs> you got to understand that even in the scriptures, anything to save a life goes below <laughs> this, this, mm. this high standard of the sanctity of life. And yeah. so, well, they lied to save a life. A hundred percent they did, Right because you're trying to save a life. That is that is the top thing that you're trying to do in, in this world. And so if you have to lie to do it, so be it, because life is precious. And and so it, it doesn't mean that it, it elevates itself because of a lie, that now it's it's on the same plane as Pharaoh killing the babies, right? Sure, yeah. But what I think is fascinating is that um, when they do this, and they do this in obedience to God. And I think that people have to really understand obedience to God. And it is the better way, no matter what is happening around you. No matter what other people are telling you you have to do. O- obeying the way of God. And so it tells us that um, when the midwives come back and they say that these, these women, the, it, the ESV says they're vigorous in giving birth. Like, so they're telling them, like, they have the baby so fast, we don't even have time to get there and <laughs> respond, right? Wow. And so this is what they've come up with. Because really, it's not just that they are to kill it. I don't know if they kill it in front of the, the, the mother. I don't know if they're lying, saying this baby was dead when it came out. Mm. You know, like what, what were they going to be stuck with? But then verse 20 says this. So God dwelt well with the midwives and the people multiplied. Here it is again and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. So here they are. The first people really standing up in civil disobedience because they fear God more than the ruler above them. And God dwells well with them. He strengthens and multiplies the Israelites. And it says he gives them families. He gives them something in return. So they are overwhelmingly blessed by God by taking this stand. And that, to me, was like, I never paid attention to that before. I never paid attention that it's not the men, it's the midwives. And then the first people to stand up and not do what Pharaoh says. And God deals well with them and gives them a blessing, families, all this stuff. I, I think that's amazing. That's awesome. Shout out to all the ladies out there. A hundred percent. Let's go. <laughs> Y'all leaving a mark here in bi- biblical times. Yes. It's uh when we find out, you know, that they just play such a big part in uh, a lot of big moments of historical, uh, biblical history. Yeah. Um, so he has one more plan. Yeah. He, he's frustrated again. And he's like, all right, let me go back to the drawing board and see what the next level of assault can be on these, yeah. these Israelites. And so he basically is like, all right, now we're basically going to take all children. Yep. And we're Put all the males, them. toss them in the Nile. Yep. And... Now you begin to see, if you know the story, the very first plague. Mm. You're going to toss innocent lives of babies into the Nile River. That's your command. God's going to turn around. The very first plague is going to be turning the river water into blood. Mm. So, of course, that like cuts off your drinking water. But wow. think if you're Pharaoh 
and he'd been throwing innocent lives into the Nile River. And all of a sudden, that whole river is now full of blood. Wow. What, what, what imagery and signal that sending back to you as if God is saying, this is what you did? Look what I'm starting with. Mm. Right? So that to me, it, it, it gets me jacked up because, you know, like goosebumps right now, mm. just because you're like, that's God. Yeah. That's how God acts. Oh, you think that you have something? Wait till you see me start to work. That's powerful. And, and there's another thing in this. So this is what's really cool because we can, we can, we can be here for a little while. Nerding today. it out. Let's People go. Are doing, let's get, let's get nerdy on this. <laughs> um, and listening and, and thinking and, and, and hearing some people talk around this. Um, think about it in this context. If you're Pharaoh and you're afraid that the Israelites, what's he, what's he say, are not just going to multiply. They are going to turn around and if war breaks out. So they're going to fight back against us so that they can escape and be free and we can't use them at our disposal. What is the best way to do that? What is, what is the number one best way to do that, to completely demise an entire people group? And I heard this scholar say, take the masculinity out of it. Mm. He, he says, let's let the females live. He doesn't, but don't let the males live. Take the masculinity out of a people group and you take the strength and the power for them to rise up and overcome you. That is not to diminish women. We just, we just tipped our hat to the fact that yeah. these are strong women, but you also need strong men inside of a society and what is our culture doing right now all around us? Mm. How is the enemy at work stripping it of masculinity? Because that term alone, that term alone right now in culture is a two-worded term. It's not masculinity. It's toxic masculinity. Anything that's masculine is now toxic. Mm. And the culture is trying to strip that and feminize that because, you know, you can't have strong masculine men it's toxic if you do you know because of this or that and so you have that i'm not saying we're we're egypt all over again but you see it being cycled through culture that if you can strip that down it changes the entire complexity of culture and then we have all these different gender identities and all this stuff we'll promote them we'll promote biological men wanting to become or say that they're women you know, we'll, we'll affirm that side of it, but we're going to literally go against anything masculine because that's toxic. Mm. And if you are a leader of a country and you want to make sure that you keep power and no one can overcome you, the first thing you would do is try to take the masculinity out of it. And, and, and listening to that and having that perspective, you see that's what Pharaoh's doing. Every command is to either stop them from procreating, right? Yeah. So I'm going to force the men to work really hard and wear them out. Or then I want the midwives or I want them in the Nile River. I want, the, I want all the male babies gone. So it isn't just so that you don't have men that grow up and can't sleep with a Israelite woman and, and create a baby. It's because now there will be no men left to even form an army against me. I think that's powerful. And I think it, it has some ripple effects and echoes into our own culture right now that, that makes anybody feel like you can't talk, you can't raise your kids, your sons to be masculine men. That, that's toxic thinking. Now, that's a cultural thinking. That is not uh, uh, something that we have to lean into because it's happening around us. We have to look inside of God's word and ask, what is he raising up godly women and godly men and how do they look? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic, man. Oof, that's good stuff. Wow. And now, so we dive into Exodus 2. And now Exodus 2, be really just, let's get Moses in the picture, baby. Yeah, he shows up, right? Now, like now <laughs> the story begins. <laughs> it says, now a man from the house of Levi, house of Levi, went and took as his wife a, a Levite woman, the woman conceived and bore a son when she could hide him no longer because now they were under that rule, basically. Yeah. That all male um, Israelite men, boys, would have to be uh, thrown into the Nile River or, or killed. Uh, when she could hide him no longer, she took him from him for him. Uh, she took for him a basket made of uh, bulrushes. Correct me or help me on that one. Bulrushes. Yep. And dabbed it with. 
Vitamin Bottom, and pitch. Vitamin and pitch. Yeah, so you, there's some cool parallels already in the story mm-hmm. because as we get further into this, you're going to see these amazing, like I said, um, parallels in the symmetry of Moses and Jesus. And, and ultimately, that's how the people of the Bible look at this. Moses is the rescuer that Israel needed. Jesus is the ultimate rescuer the world needs. Mm. Okay. Moses takes you out of Egypt, the people into the promised land. Jesus takes you out of your Egypt, your bondage into the ultimate promised land eternity. And so, um, but it starts right here because it, it starts with who his parents are. And at the beginning of this story, we don't get names. We don't get titles. We don't get if they're, they're wealthy or poor. The same way we're introduced to Joseph and Mary. It's mm. this lowly picture of just two ordinary people God selected out of all the people on the earth to be the ones to, to, to birth and parent these rescuers wow. that we begin to find and we begin to see. And as I said yesterday, I, I always love whenever we can reference something in scripture that takes us back. So this is the beauty of the never ending story. What's the thread? What, what's the thread when we start with Adam and Eve and we get to Cain and Abel, and then we're into, you know, Noah and the tower of Babel and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. What's this thread that's taking us? But then what's something that also kind of rebounds back. And it's this, this moment right here where his mother takes him, puts him in a basket and daubs it, meaning she puts around it this, this pitch, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it other than the simplicity is like a, like a tar, like something that holds it together. And, and so, but what we find is this, this word basket right here, as we said yesterday, is this Hebrew word that is the same one referenced in Genesis six for Noah's Ark. And so you have this, this beautiful reminder right here because it's like it's almost the story playing out again she takes him puts him in this basket and does what puts him in the water and here you have the story of noah god takes noah puts him in this large basket ark you know as we would say and then the floods came and and they they both stay on top the water and noah becomes uh the 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 central character for God redeeming humanity on earth. And Moses is about to become the central character for God redeeming. Cause this word redeeming is to buy back, um, to take back his very people in captivity. And you see this little mirror moment. And it's just, I think a way of the story telling you the same way God was keeping Noah safe in the ark. Cause remember when we talked about Noah, it said, and God shut him in. Mm. No, it didn't close the door. That's God right. shut him in. Yeah. God put him in there for safety is the same thing. We start to see. It's not that, you know, or his Moses is a baby. He can't shut, he can't put himself in the basket. Yeah. God uses his mother. Yes. But now he's safely in this basket. And she asks Miriam, his sister to go with it, to keep eyes on it all the way down. Mm. And so it's just, to me, it's this cool moment of seeing this, this picture showing you God's hand is in this yeah. right now. And you mentioned God is often preserving and protecting those he's preparing. Yeah. And that's that was a powerful statement. I think a lot of people need to know. I need that. I need that all the time as a pastor of this church because there's so many times I want a door to open or, you know, we, we're in our, our fourth facility. So, you know, people inevitably, inevitably ask about, you know, a building or land or where are you guys going with this? And so some things have been offered in these 13 years, some opportunities and you go look at them and, and some you're like, no. And others you're like, yeah, this might be it. And then the door closes and you're like, where are you God? What are you up to? What are you doing? And you have to keep reminding yourself that it's not always God just saying no, because he doesn't want to give you something. Often it can be, he's preserving and protecting you because he's preparing something different. And that goes into all spheres of life. People who are looking for a certain job or, or a a new position in their company or, you know, relationship that they're in or whatever it is. And things aren't working out or didn't go the way they wanted. And they're like, God, you don't love me. You're not there for me. You're not listening to me. Mm. All these things. And God's saying, no, actually I'm preserving and protecting you right now. You don't know exactly what it's for. You just have to trust that I'm preserving and protecting you from that for something else. Yeah, yeah. It's a different way of viewing things. It's through a different lens rather than I'm being disappointed 
looking at it through that lens of disappointment every time you don't get what you want. It's looking at it as, you know what? God has shut the door. There's a reason for it. Let's continue to move forward. God's protecting. He's preserving. He's doing something. You think about like how many conversations have you had with a family member that was in like a dating relationship? Mm. They thought they were going to marry that person. They never did. They get married. They have kids. And then in the conversation, they're like, man, I'm glad that didn't happen. Right. But in the moment back when they were dating them, oh, they were all in. They were in love. This is going to be the one. And then it didn't. Someone's heart got broken. Hindsight, they look back. And they're like, God was protecting me from that person, right? Or something like that. You know, I think about before I started this church, I had a job offer on the table, even though I was in Atlanta, to come to a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, to be part of a church. Uh, I had gotten really close with one of their student pastors. The lead pastor was a guy that I fully, like at the time, admired, wanted to learn from. And I was like, they're they're wanting to hire me. Right, they're wanting to hire me. This is amazing, and and this would be a dream opportunity mm. in my head at the moment. And so I take the weekend. I'm supposed to maybe fly up there for the final seal the deal, the whole thing. And I just fast and pray, and God's just telling me, no, no, no. This is not what I have for you. I need you to stay put. Wow. And I have to make this phone call and, and I'm like, listen, I don't have an answer other than God's telling me I have to stay put to my friend that, that works there. And long story short, within like two years, the lead pastor leaves the church. The guy that I was going to work with ends up leaving the church and going to another church to work. And I'm thinking if I moved my family from Atlanta to Grand Rapids, Michigan, first of all, I didn't want to go up there for the snow. That was the only thing that I was worried about. <laughs> And move my whole family. And then the people that I was wanting to go there for have all mm. left. Wow. And then I'm left behind. And that was on the cusp of us moving in the direction of starting this church. Wow. And it's the God is saying, no, I stopped you from going there because I was taking you in a different direction. You are literally about to go north, and I took you south. That's and amazing. I look back at that and go, God was preserving and protecting me from myself, my own desires that I wanted for me, even over my family, I think. Wow for what he had different that he was preparing me for. And that was ultimately to come start Genesis church. So it's alive in me, these pieces, because it, it, I think it relates to everybody. Yeah, that's powerful. That is, if if you didn't see God, (laughs) you see God to that situation, bro. Like that's pretty evident that he's definitely preserving man. And so now we get to um, Exodus two verse 11. It says one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. Uh, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. So I, I love that you emphasized he went out to, um, to see his people and looked on their burdens. Yeah. You, Moses is going to be the rescuer. And I think... This is think. This is not me. I can't. I can't completely say yes, but I think part of the reason God chooses Moses is because he's also a defender. Mm. So he's not just going to partner with God to be the rescuer. He's a defender. In this moment, he's defending his people. He goes out. He sees what's happening. He sees this slave driver, you know, beating his own people. So he winds up confronting them. And killing him to defend them, you know. And so once again, people are like, he murdered a man. Moses is a murderer. But in the same regard, he's defending his people because they mm. were being beaten so badly, you know. And so there's 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 all different tangents you can go on, on on that. But he's a defender of his people. And then he's not just a defender of his people. Even when he runs and he ends up in the wilderness, and we get this little piece in chapter 2, he ends up at this well, and these women come up, and they need, you know, water and the shepherd, the shepherds show up and they pretty much force the women away and he defends the women at the well. And that's how they go home and tell their father. And they're like, who, who defended you? Who helped feed your, your animals? And they say this man, he brings them in and he ends up getting one of them to be his wife and all this stuff because he defends them. And then what does he do all throughout the story? He defends them yeah. in front of Pharaoh. He defends them for them. Uh, even 
to God yeah. on their behalf when they're doing things wrong and complaining. So there's this defending inside of him that God sees that this, this guy is going to care for and protect mm. the mission I'm going to have for him. And, and, you know, I, I think about in your own life, like how often are you defending the things of God, for your right? Family. For your family. Yeah. And that's an important piece of it. And so, but I did hear this and I thought this was pretty cool to think about is that um, Moses sees, God wants him to see. He's got to put his eyes on it. You know, um, the girl that, that sings uh, the Hosanna song, the the writer, yep. um, you know, I'm talking yep. about the, um, from Hillsong or whatever. Um, she has another song and I'd listened to her at a conference one time that she wrote because she went to Africa. And in essence, I remember her saying, and I, I think it's in the song, but she saw, she said, now that I've seen, I'm responsible, mm. right? And so that's what calls her to write this song. Now that I've seen this in Africa, I'm responsible to help in any way that I can. Wow. And I've, I always think about that. So for Moses, he has to see his own people being beaten for him to understand what what it's what they're crying out from and what they're what they're groaning to God for that what God is hearing he has to put eyes on and yeah. so there's this to me there's this tension that God is hearing things all around us in our neighborhoods in our workplaces that people are crying out from that we have no idea what they're going through mm. and we have to see it and we are so distracted by everything and you know you can't stand in line at the grocery store and the only thing you do is look at your phone. You don't look at the person in front of you or behind you. You don't know sometimes, you know, it's like that opportunity where the, the, the person trying to ring up their groceries, their, their cards getting declined or they don't have enough money. And God's saying, hey, if you just pay attention, I want you to help that person type wow. of a deal. You know, we have to see it to be able to respond to it. And I think that's in the heart of Joseph as to why he's being chosen to be partnered with from God. Yeah, Moses, yeah. Um, yeah, you said it. God heard their cry. God, well, Moses saw and God heard. Moses saw and God heard. That's great, man. I think, I think we get caught up with, um, we forget the small details, you know, and we get caught up with the, you know, wanting this big blessing, wanting, you know, um, this big ministry or this big career in our lives. And we just forget the small details, um, of what keeps our faith going, you know, of what keeps us pressing forward, of what keeps us built in God, and uh, and we just want we want we want the big we want the big things, you know, we want the big blessings, we want the we we if we're gonna help, we want it to be uh, the big events that we go help in, but it's like those are small details of things that are happening all around you. If we just take notice of that, we'll see that. Yeah. And when you do, how will you respond towards that? Absolutely. Oh. I, I remember early on a, a family came to Genesis because another family in Genesis bought them groceries at Target. That's crazy. Something was happening. That's wow. why I just used the illustration. Yep. And they bought them groceries and somehow got in the conversation. And I think at the time we were teaching through something and they just mentioned, we learned this at church and we just felt like this was the opportunity. And the people were like, what church? And they ended up coming. So you never know it's that what God is preparing mm. But you have to have eyes to see, yeah. and we were, and, and and as parents, what do we do with our kids, right? We don't want to put up with them, so we put pads and tablets in front of them, so they're growing up, l learning to look at a device instead of the world happening around them and wow. see some of these things. Wow. And and I don't think that you can effectively reach people, and I don't think it's like we can't effectively pastor if we're not always looking around. Mm. I think you almost have to become uh, people watchers for lack of a better term, right? You know, I, I remember listening to Steve Harvey, the, the comedian. He said, comedians have a third eye. And he said, because the way that you see things is not the way that we see things. So we're always, he's like, I'm in a mall food court and I'm looking around with that third eye to see that moment of comedy mm. that no one else is seeing that I'm going to use <laughs> yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a performance somewhere. And I think spiritually, it's that same thing. It is is having the eyes of, of the Holy Spirit to look around and notice things that other people don't notice so that you can 
can hear the call from God yeah. if you're to respond. And we've got to do a much better job of that and break some of the habits that we have yeah. in our lives because we're used to sitting at a table in a restaurant. Everybody grab their, their phone or tablet, give it to our kids, and you never know what's happening around you. And what happens if there's some girl crying in a corner because something tragic has happened in her life and, and no one sees her, yeah. right? And God's like, I hear her cry, but you were in the same restaurant and I was hoping you would get up and go over and check on her and be the answer. Yeah. We miss these opportunities that yeah. God has. And you, you uh, hit a great statement. You said, God doesn't give you a purpose for someone else to answer. Yeah. I thought that was awesome, man. We, we know what that's like. Yeah. We all do it. You know, we all yeah. come up with thoughts and then we, we don't want to have the energy to carry it out. Mm. <laughs> so we'll come up with every excuse and I'm amazed at how many people in the church or in Christianity, and I want to say church, church general, because I've been in church my whole life, that have all these ideas for the church and all these dreams for the church and all these programs that the church should be doing, but they don't want to lead it and they don't want to participate. They think mm -hmm. someone else should. And that's why I always come back to If God is putting that in you, yeah. then it's because you're supposed to step forward and initiate it. Yeah. And, and so... Um, I think more of that needs to happen and happen. The bad, the wrong word is organically, but I, I think the better words naturally. I think that we should be living for Christ in such a way that just naturally we start responding to these things, yeah. you know? And so I don't need the pastor to get up and make a full church announcement for this new thing that I want to do. And if he doesn't make the announcement, then it doesn't get done. Yeah. I just naturally start doing it. And I start gathering my closest friends in and people that I know. And as it grows, if, if it becomes something that the church as a whole can get into, great. If not, that wasn't the purpose. God didn't give that to you to make it a, a always a church-wide thing. He gave it to you so that you could be the answer for the That's purpose good. he was putting in you. That's good, man. Yeah. And so during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And so now, uh, basically, Moses has he killed uh, that Egyptian soldier, and now he's run away. And now he finds himself in the desert place. Um, and so in, in Gen Exodus 2, 23-25, And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. There goes the trio again. Yep. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Yeah, I think those four words are so powerful. And there, there are people you know, wondering if God really listens. And wow. these first three chapters over and over again say, um, God heard the cries. God heard their groaning. God is listening. So when people think that God is not at work, you know, if anything, this shows that God is moved mm. by our brokenness. He is not unmoved. He is not just arbitrarily up there dictating the world, regardless of what you go through. He is moved by our brokenness. He hears our cries. He hears our groaning. And I think that we just have to step back and go, when I cry out to God and groan to God or whatever I'm, because of what I'm going through, do I trust that God has the answer or am I crying and groaning to God because I want him to give me my answer? Mm. Right? Yeah. So they're crying out to God. They have no idea Moses is the one being prepared for this. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you that there wasn't an Israelite alive that thought the guy who grew up in Pharaoh's palace is going to be the one to come back and take us out of here. Right? Yeah. So he's almost the one that they would least expect. And we find that out because I don't want to go too far, but as you know, he has this conversation with God, like how will they know you sent me? Cause he knows they're mm -hmm. not going to listen to him, you know? And, and, and so they're not thinking Moses is the answer. Mm. They know there's a promise. I think this is fascinating because we won't be able to teach through this in the next few weeks. Um, it's in um, Exodus chapter six. And I, and I had, one of my favorite teachers uh, point out, he said, this is how much the people believe in the promise of God. 
the promise being the promise to Abraham that I will bless the world. Mm-hmm. So they know they know a rescuer, a Messiah is coming. They don't they don't know who that is. Obviously, they don't know it's going to end up being Jesus far after them. But he said because they named their children the promises of God. Wow. So Exodus chapter six, one of the names. So these are the names people read through really fast. So they don't pay attention to right. Amram is exalted people. So in the midst of being slaves in oppression, they're naming their kids that we are still exalted people. Mm. Jochebed means give glory to Adonai. So here are names where in the midst of the roughest, ruthless, it tells us, circumstances where babies are being killed, all this stuff, they are still naming their children exalted people Glory to Adonai. How do you do that in the midst of those circumstances, right? Unless you still believe that what God promised to do, God is going to do. And so they believe in the promise. They don't know the answer is going to be Moses. They just believe God is going to answer them. And there's something in that for all of us, that God is listening and God is working and God is preparing it just won't be the answer you're thinking it's going to be most of the time, but you have to trust that God's way is better. And that's hard. We understand that we go through that, but for people listening, whatever circumstance they're in, I think yesterday and in this podcast, they need to hear God hears God remembers God's remembrance. Wasn't that he forgot, right? What did he remember? The covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he doesn't forget it. It's a, um, it's a, a rem- more of a reminder to redeem. He's constantly remembering my promises to redeem, my promises to redeem, mm. my promises to redeem. And then it says God saw, so God hears you, God sees you, God remembers his ultimate promise, and then God knew. What did God knew? God knew what needed to take place. And back to what we were joking about earlier with like the, the, the people that listen. Give the people what they want, you know, but what do we really say? A great leader takes people where they need to go, not where they want to go. And God obviously knows where we need to go, not where we always want to go, because we find out in this story, how do you get this people group that cries out to God and he hears them and sends a rescuer. And then these people are saying, wait, we'd rather be back in Egypt as slaves. Why did you bring us to the wilderness to die? So being a slave wasn't so bad in the sense of this. Even if you're a slave, you know where your next meal is coming from and you have a roof over your head. This is why... Um, just to put some application on it, uh, someone who's being abused won't leave their abuser sometimes, right? And you're like, why do you not just walk away? Because there's something yeah, inside that goes, certainty. I, I, oh, there's more certainty things. that at least I have a house to be in tonight wow. in this harsh circumstance than the unknown. Yeah. So here they are, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of the game, Survival but they're in the wilderness, mindset. right? That takes I'd rather over. be back in Egypt. Yeah. Well, in Egypt, you were slaves. You know, they're killing your, 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 your male children than out here. How do you even get there? Because that, that's a whole nother question next podcast down the road. But this is what's happening all throughout the story. And it's back to God knows what's best. Mm. We don't for our life. And so we have to often remind ourselves he's preserving and protecting for what he's preparing and what he's preparing is going to show up in a way you weren't ready for. Yeah. And what plea is God hearing from someone else that is wanting you, that he is wanting you to be the answer for? I thought that was powerful because it's like, it's like what plea is God hearing from someone else? Like what difference are you going to make in someone's life? Like are you, are you that uh, sensitive to the spirit to know that this is an opportunity for me to, to, to answer this? Yeah. Answer this op- answer the call that's in my heart. Answer what's in front of me. Um, that that individual that needs my help. Oh, it, God's asking me to do something. Am I ready for it? Am I sensitive enough to to take it and move with it and be an answer for? And that you, we often cry out to God, hoping yeah. He hears our cry. Yeah. But who's the person crying out to God right now that you don't you don't know they're doing it, mm. or you might know they're doing it. Um, cause you're now aware of the situation. You've seen it as, you know, as we were saying, Joseph saw, I mean, uh, Moses saw, um, but that's, that's that thought that I wanted to just leave people with and leave our listeners to today with is like to spin in your head all around us. 
who might be crying out in, in, in a circumstance and God is going, I hear their cry and I was, I'm preparing you to be the one to mm. stop and help, to, to give, to, to come alongside of them, to, to encourage them, to, to pick up the phone and call them, yeah. to send that text message. Uh, I hear their cry and I'm asking you to be the answer. And just the same way we would want that in our own life. But sometimes we're so self-consumed with our own issues and our own problems. We're just praying for God to send us an answer and God is wanting us to be an answer. Mm. And we have to really understand that balance in life because if we just are consuming all of our life, we're never allowing God to work through us. We're just asking God to give us what we need. And and God wants to provide, but he also wants to prepare you for a purpose. And so you, you have to have this, this balance of God. There are things I need to lay before you. I hope you hear my cry and there's an answer, but God, I need to realize that someone else is crying out and you might be asking me to be their answer. Yep. The biggest moments in my life that I felt most fulfilled was the moments when I became an extension of God's hand for someone's life. Like, just an answered prayer or speaking salvation, um, bringing someone to God, inviting someone, um, those moments, and then seeing what God does through that simple invitation or that simple answered uh, prayer or prayer through that um, obedience of mind to be able to give them, you know, financially on something. And then you see that and you're like, oh my gosh, the response that I get that. I think I think the biggest the biggest encouragement of our or motivator of our faith to keep us really moving is to is to to be uh, life change to somebody to be that light that Jesus said hey be the light of of, of this world it brings salvation when the man when you can bring salvation to someone's life because of or, or be a part of it that you were uh, a tool that God used there is no greater feeling. There's no greater motivator. I think your level of faith increases so much, um, but it's all because you responded and took a mo- uh, it took a, a step of faith. You know, it, it, that's that's just how it is for me. I've noticed that time and time again. If if I'm not stepping out to answer for other people in their life, I'm only hindering myself. And there's only for me. It's like. Now I'm overfeeding my, my, myself, and now where am I giving that and depositing that to people's lives? And so I, I chatted with the team about that this week. Yep. As we get ready for the road to Easter, I told them two things. I said, number one, stretch yourself. Stretch yourself um, this week. What is it that you can really deepen and go further in with God? If it's more time in prayer, if it's fasting, whatever it may be. And second, Extend an invitation to somebody. Yeah. Simple. Everybody wants purpose and significance. Yeah. Someone asked, asked me last week, but how do I know God's will for my life? And, you know, when I tell them, I say, you know, you're looking for the wrong answer because you're asking the wrong question, mm. you know, because if you were looking for the right answer, the question has already been answered. Romans 12, Right. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice for this is pleasing and is the will of God. And so I say, this tells us, you want to know what God's will is? To offer your bodies, meaning give yourself to God's service. Everything else, the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the, the skills, whatever it is, is a means by which you do that. So it's not, oh, am I... I want to know what God's will is. Am I supposed to do this with my life or do that with my life? First, ask the right question. Have I surrendered? Am I, am I a living sacrifice to God? Good. Right? That That's the beginning of it. And, and then you begin to find your purpose and your significance. And we have friends and stories, stories after stories of people that were successful doing this thing, but they had no, no meaning. They, they, they knew there was something empty no matter how successful it was getting. And they gave that career up or that job or that company. And they started doing something where they didn't make as much money. Maybe it wasn't as prominent. And they're like, man, it's so much more fulfilling because what they found was that, that purpose. And it usually involved doing something for other people. Yeah. We see this time and time again. And, and so that's, you know, 
I think that's the reality of what we're seeing in the story of Moses is that God hears their cry, but he chooses to partner with Moses and God chooses to partner with us and, uh, and the cries of people. And I think that's pretty, pretty, um, direct because I think that's what it takes, right? Like when you're crying out, you're at rock bottom and it usually takes rock bottom for you to, for God to be able to come along and do what he needs to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. That's a great word. Desperation. You're at that desperate moment of pure rock bottom. And God says, now that we're here and you're not, you don't have a second agenda in what you're Mm. wanting from me. You need me. Now I can give you the answer you need. (laughs) not the one you wanted, right? That's so good. That that that's powerful. So, um the only the only thing I wanted to add in the story because I mean that's that's the full two chapters um is is I listened to one guy say this and I thought this is great because I think this is a great segue to Exodus 3, which we're going to open up, you know, here in the next week and, and in the next podcast. Um Joe uh, I keep saying Joseph. Moses goes out and he sees this slave driver beating these two Hebrew men and or being a Hebrew man. And so he defends him, winds up killing him, burying him in the sand. And he goes back out the next day and he sees these two Hebrew men arguing and he tries to stop it. And then they say, what are you going to do the same to us as you did to this, you know, taskmaster, this, mm. this slave driver. And then he runs and flees and Pharaoh finds out. And now he's in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, um, comes a shepherd and all that stuff. But uh, he was talking about the fact that, Moses sees and Moses tries to resolve the issue his way. So he defends them, which is a good thing, right? But the people don't accept them. They, they actually are the ones who speak the words that make him run, that mm. make him flee. You're going to do the same thing to us. You did to that man that you buried in the sand. Like you would think they would be like, Oh, this is Moses. Yesterday he defended one of our people. Let's listen to him. And he, and he said this, and, and I just, I love the thought because um, he said this. He said, um, this happens to him because, uh, and they don't accept him because at that moment he has not gotten his authority from God. He tried to do it his way and fix it his way. So he has to go to the desert so that God can shape him, call him, put his authority on him to do it God's way for the Hebrew people to eventually accept and follow. That's crazy. Wow. And I was like, that's awesome. That's a great perspective. So many times we try to do it our way mm. without God's hand on it. And God says, nope, I need you to come away. I need to shape you, mold you, call you, speak into you, put my authority on you so that when you go back, it can be done my way, not your way. Yeah. That's so good, man. Um, there's, there's a lot, man. It's going to be really good these next few weeks as we continue to unpack more of Moses' story. We got a lot. And, we'll be uh, in this character for a few we weeks. We will be. We, we will have to. be. It, yeah, so so crucial and vital to, uh, and just a lot of application for our lives. So super thankful, man, to have this time with you guys. And, man, I want to just, uh, if you're listening to us, um, if you're part of Genesis family, awesome, awesome. We, we love that. Continue. Um, we love our fam. But if you don't have a church and you're looking for a place, um, we, we love to have you be with us. We're beginning the road to Easter this coming Sunday, beginning with Palm Sunday. And then you'll be able to join us live uh, Tuesday, Monday through Thursday. You'll be able to join us live at Genesis Church Orlando um, on YouTube, backslash Genesis Church Orlando, and Facebook as well. And just we're going to walk through the last week of Jesus's life. Yeah, that's going to be fine. Really break that down, have a very conversational uh, piece to it, um, very similar to this podcast. And so it's going to be a, a really, really good time for you guys. We'll be live, so you'll get to see our faces. <laughs> uh, but if you don't have a place to gather, we would love to invite you for our Easter service. We're going to be at East River High School um, Easter Sunday, April 9th. You're welcome to come join us, be a part of that. We're going to have a 9.30 service and 11 o'clock service. And uh, and we just would love to, you know, really extend this invitation to you and be a part of that. So you can check out all information at GenesisChurchOrlando.com. Be a part of us with us. All the road to Easter information is there for you. Uh, like I said, we're going to have a full Holy Week 
Facebook and YouTube takeover uh, while we go through that. And then we're going to have a Good Friday service um, at um, FCA. Uh, we can find the information at our website there for that. But we're going to have a 12 o'clock and a 7 p.m. service. And then, uh, yeah, and, and then Easter Sunday is going to be upon us. So this that is the... The big day for us believers, we we just we are able to celebrate our risen Savior and uh, and, and celebrate that together. So we'd love to, for you to be a part of that. But hopefully this was a blessing to you guys. Once again, check us out on Instagram at Post Sunday Podcast. Send us a DM if you have any questions on this particular topic or any other episodes in the past. We would love to be uh, a part of this com- or continue this conversation with you. Uh, But once again, thank you for joining us. We love you guys. We appreciate the love and the support. Keep tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify post Sunday podcast. We'll see you guys back here next week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the post Sunday podcast presented by Genesis Church, a place to go further, discover more and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.